0: Hey, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. We're so glad you're listening to our podcast. If you want more information about the church, go to www.clovishills.com or you can download our app in your iTunes or Google Play store. Enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, we are continuing our series on parables. And how many of you guys were here last week, man? Pastor Sean killed it, didn't they? Great message, man. Yeah. He uh, talked about, if you weren't here, go on and listen to it, because he described the kingdom of God. And uh, the parables that we're going to go over again today are about the kingdom of God. In fact, Matthew 13 is that whole uh, chapter are the kingdom parables. That's what they call them. Because Jesus tells us stories to help us understand the kingdom of God better. And that's why they're called the kingdom parables. And so we're going to get right into it today. we got a lot to cover, so we're going to get right into it. So, if you have your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, however you access the Word of God, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, and my friend Ron is going to come out and read it to us. So if you are able to, will you stand and join us for just honoring God's Word this morning as we read it? The, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. All right, Ron. When I grow up, I want Ron's voice, man. That's... Yes. He's gonna narrate my life story. Okay, who am I kidding? There's no life story in Scott. I don't know what I'm thinking. Anyway. It is good to be here. What we just read was just a, a simple couple verses, but are so impacted in telling us what the kingdom of God is like. And like I said last week, Pastor Sean told us about the kingdom of God and kind of explained that principle, so I don't want to go much into it. But what we find in chapter 13 is Jesus beginning to teach in what these things called parables. And in Greek, the word parable actually means to come alongside. That's what the word parable means. And so really what Jesus is telling us is he's telling us stories that are coming alongside the truth that he is teaching us about the kingdom of God so that we could fully understand those things of God and understand the kingdom of God better. That's what parables are. So he tells us these stories, he tells us these two stories to help the disciples understand the kingdom of God. So just picture with me, people are starting to gather, the crowds are starting to gather and Jesus is watching the crowds come and he begins to tell them stories so they could better understand his teaching, and in this case, the kingdom of God. And so here he is, the disciples asked earlier in the chapter, he said, why are you beginning to teach in parables? And Jesus says, so that you can understand. They may not be able to understand, but I want you to understand. You right here that are walking with me, I want you to understand this concept of the kingdom of heaven. Because it's a very important concept to understand, and I'm not sure you're quite grasping it, but I want you to understand it. And so he tells these two stories. He says, "He says there was once a guy who had some land, and, and he was farming that land, and he found some treasure. It wasn't his land, but he found some treasure, and uh, the treasure was of great value." And so he hid the treasure and went back and sold everything so that he could buy the land so that he could get that treasure. He said, just like that, here's another story identical to it, just a different uh, situation. He said, there's a jeweler who was out looking for some fine jewelry, some fine pearls, and he came across a pearl that was amazing, and he went back and sold everything just so he could have that pearl. There's something about treasure that really gets to us, isn't there? There's something about treasure, hidden treasure, you know, X marks the spot, Arr, ye matey, that kind of thing, you know, that really gets us going. How else do you explain the, the show Storage Wars? It's just guys looking at storage cabinets, but, but all is weird. Mean, we're always just like, did they get anything of value? There's something in us that loves that. How many of you guys drove by a, by, by a yard sale before and, and we're just like, should I stop? Maybe there's something of great treasure. No. Yeah, I'm gonna do it, you know. Looking, just hoping that you get a deal, that you buy something, because let's face it, there's nothing of great value at yard sales. I've had yard sales before. I would have given anybody 50 bucks just to come take the junk off my lawn, That's Right? right? <laughs> There's nothing there of great value. But every now and then we think, maybe, just maybe. You know why? Because we hear stories about it. And we hope it's us. Story of two men right outside of Suffolk, England in 1992. One man rented a plot of land so that he could farm it. It wasn't his land. He was farming that land and he lost his hammer. True story. He lost his hammer and he was worried about getting his hammer back two reasons why he was worried about getting his hammer back. One, he didn't want to have to pay for another hammer. He wasn't well off. He only grew enough crops to feed his family and maybe eke out a profit by selling some. So he didn't want to have to go buy another hammer, but he was worried he spent the rest of the day looking for this hammer. The other reason he didn't want to lose the hammer is because when his tractor went by, he didn't want the hammer to get caught up in the tractor, which would cost him even more money. So he's spending time looking for this hammer and uh, couldn't find it. The next day he wakes up, decides to go get his neighbor who was retired, who had one of those machines uh, that, that could detect metal, the metal detect machines. I don't, that's not the official name. I don't know. It is a metal detector. There you go. He has metal detector machine. And he's going through the field and he's, he's, he takes this machine he's going and he comes across and the machine starts going crazy. And so they dig up and, and about a foot under the ground they find this silver spoon. True story man find this silver spoon, and they're all like wow this this looks interesting like it doesn't look modern it looks old and so they continued to dig and they found another spoon and another spoon about three spoons into it they're realizing we got something here like this isn't like from our era, this is like antiquity man this is this is old it might be worth something so the more they dug, the more they began to find certain Treasures that were buried deep into the ground. At that time in England, if you found some antiquities, if you found something of value that you thought might be ancient, the law was that you had to call the authorities. Would you guys have called the authorities? I wouldn't either, but they did because they were (laughs) honest. And so they called the authorities, and they came out. The very next morning, there's a dig right, right on this piece of land. Or the archaeologists came out. They dug up the whole piece of land, and it was amazing what they discovered. They began to find silver spoons and gold spoons. They began to find this. They found this box that was full of gold coins and silver coins from the Roman Empire. And they discovered this amazing treasure. In fact, I have the number right here. In fact, They discovered 14,855 pieces in this little plot of land that they discovered. And the two guys are like, we're rich, until they found out the law in England says that if they ever discover anything ancient, that it belongs to the crown. And they get to take all that treasure with them. Then they're like, we're rich, Ah, we're poor again. Until they heard the law explained that They don't get to keep the treasure, but the the government, the English government, is required to pay them what they believe the value to be of that treasure. We're rich again. So it took some weeks and months, but they discovered that this treasure was worth about $4.4 million. Until the man who had the field... He discovered what the law was is it's whoever found it gets the money. So the guy with the metal detector, just his neighbor who was helping, got all the money. But there's good news. Because that guy was a nice guy. And he went to his neighbor and said, I think there's enough to split. So they split it down the middle. And they were all rich. True story. Yes, that's the question, right? I know what you're asking. What happened to the hammer? I know what happened to the hammer in the story. They found the hammer. Yes. (laughs) All is well. He actually took the hammer and he sent it to a museum as part of that whole story of where the, you know, where all the treasure is and all that kind of stuff. We love stories like that, don't we? We love stories because we think it could happen to us. There's a guy not too long ago who who was in a little tiny store in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And he bought a copy of the Declaration of Independence for $2.49. Only to go home as he was hanging that Declaration of Independence, he began to realize this feels, the paper feels older than what the shopkeeper said. There's something special about this. He wasn't sure, he didn't know, so he called an expert. The expert came over and says, you won't believe what you have. You have one of 200 copies that were ever printed of the Declaration of Independence. It's one of the originals. He sold it at auction for $500,000. That's a good day. (laughs) There's something about that that gets our attention. There's something about it because in us, we're like, man, I want to find that treasure. I hope we can find that treasure. I hope something like that would happen to me someday because that would just be a cool story, right? I mean, you'd be rich too, but it'd be a cool story. Man, you retired? Yeah, I retired. How'd you retire so early? Declaration of Independence. Says I should be free, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, it's all good. But we love those stories. And they loved the stories back then too. They probably loved them more than us because the banking system was not like the banking system today, there was no banking system. Back in that day of Jesus' time. So a lot of people held on to their wealth. They held on to their coins and their jewels. And they would take their coins and change them into jewels because that was more valuable. And, and that's just, they, they dug things to, to keep it in the ground. And hopefully nobody would find them. They, that's how they did things back then. And so these kind of stories that Jesus just told would be way more valuable to, to help them understand the kingdom of God than it is even, even now but we still love our treasure, and so it's still a pertinent story to what Jesus is trying to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And so again, you got the story, right? Guy digs some treasure. He finds it very valuable. He doesn't want anybody to steal the treasure, so he hides the treasure. He goes back home and sells everything so he can buy that piece of land and say, oh, look, I found the treasure. And then the same thing about the jeweler. He finds a pearl of great wealth, great price. He sells everything. And and then Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So as we dive into that this morning, I simply want to just ask you three questions this morning. That's all I want to do. I don't want to to, uh, tell you any answers. I, I just want to ask you three questions. It's not a guilt thing. It's not a shame thing. I simply want us to reflect on three questions. And if you could just be honest this morning before God, and just as the Spirit moves within you, to answer these three questions, I think we'll begin to discover a little bit more what the kingdom of God is like, and then how are we to react to that? Jesus does not simply just tell stories for the sake of telling stories. He wants us to understand the kingdom so that there is an action that goes with that, a proper response. Are you following me? So this is question number one, and if you're a note taker, fill these in right here. Question number one. Do we understand the value of what we have? Do we understand the value of what we have? Now, what I'm talking about is the kingdom of God. Do we understand the value of the kingdom of God? And when I say the kingdom of God, what I'm talking about is God, the God of the universe, living in us. I'm talking about the gospel I'm talking about the fact that Jesus stepped out of heaven into our story, lived his life, died on the cross for our sins because we were separated from God because of our sin. He died on the cross for our sins. Three days later rose from the dead to prove that he really was the Messiah and the one who could forgive us of our sins and then now wants a relationship with us because he is absolutely in love with you and I. That's the gospel message. And the kingdom of God is that gospel message. So when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. The gospel is that treasure. And so the question is, do we fully understand really what we have? I'm going to be honest with you. There's times that I don't fully understand it. There's times that I fully don't appreciate it. There's times that I become ho-hum about the gospel, I've been a Christian for over 30 years now. Maybe some of you can relate to this, but I've been a Christian for over 30 years and there's times that I like, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, good morning, Lord. And then there's times I wake up and I'm like, oh, Lord, it's morning. Oh. There's times that I go throughout my day and I don't think about the treasure. I don't appreciate the treasure. I don't understand its value. And I've become ho-hum about the gospel. That's our human nature. We just become ho-hum about things. There's points in our lives that we're really excited about it. And then there's times where we're just like, oh, Jesus died. That's right. Huh? Got anything else for me? I don't know if you could relate to that. But there are times in my life that 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 it, it, it Let me just say, it's human nature to do that. I'll tell you a story really quick. I was in Maui. This was probably the mid-90s. It was my first time going to Hawaii. I was super excited. You know, Hawaii, Maui, it's all beautiful. I love that place. But I happened to be uh, uh, staying in a room that was right on the ocean. And I think I was about the seventh floor up, and I had a great view, and everything was going well. And one morning, I was waking up to the clamor of noise, people making noise outside the room. And I'm like, why is everybody making noise? and i pulled open my curtains and i could see the ocean right down below me and the most amazing thing was happening there was a there's just thousands literally thousands of dolphins were swimming by i was like And I sat there and watched this. And it took about 15 to 20 minutes for these dolphins who were migrating by just to go by. And there were big dolphins and little dolphins and there were baby dolphins that were jumping out that looked like little footballs, you know, and stuff like that. And it was amazing. And I just sat there for 15 to 20 minutes in awe of like these dolphins that were passing by. And I'm thinking, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Wow, I can't believe that I'm here getting to experience this. And then the next morning... We were going to go on a trip to Lanai, which is another island, and we had this tiny little boat. It wasn't very big. It was one of those boats you kind of just sit on the side of the boat, and uh, the Lanai is not very far, the island of Lanai. We were going to boat over there, and we were going to spend all day in Lanai, and we got into our boat. We started heading towards Lanai, and guess what happened? The dolphins passed by again. Just a migration of them. There was thousands of them. It was amazing. It was mind-blowing. And this time I'm sitting on the edge of the boat, and they're literally jumping out right by me. I wanted to grab one and hug one and give it a noogie or something like that. It was amazing. But the guy who's leading the trip's like, you can't touch the dolphins. I don't know why he looked right at me as if I would do that. He looked right at me as you can't touch the dolphins. The little baby was looked like footballs. I wanted to pick it up and pass it to my friend who was on board. It was amazing. So I just sat there and he turned off the motor and we just floated. And dolphins were passing us. It was so surreal. I mean, it was incredible. Like once in a lifetime chance. And then guess what happened? We went to Lanai. We stayed at Lanai all day. It was afternoon and we were coming back. And guess what happened? We ran into another school of dolphins. Everywhere. But this time, I wasn't so happy. Like you would think, this is an amazing experience, all that kind of stuff. But this time, I've had enough of dolphins. All right, I get it. You're a lot. You're migrating somewhere. I'm late for dinner. Let's go, dolphins. (laughs) He turns off the motor. Why do you turn off the motor? He goes, I have to. No, you don't. I need a cheeseburger from Cheeseburgers in Paradise right now. Do you see what happened? It only took two days for me to lose the awe of this wonderful event that I experienced. And I wonder if that's what we do sometimes with our Christian faith. We lose the awe of the treasure. We lose the awe of the pearl. We lose the awe of the gospel. We forget sometimes that we have the living God living in us. And that the kingdom of God is not something simply far away that one day we'll get to, although that's awesome, but it's actually here on earth and we get to experience God right now. And we get the God who created all of this living in us. And that he was willing to send his son to die on a cross for us so that we could have that relationship. And then we become ho-hum about it. God forgive me those times I become ho-hum about it. And I do it often. And I'm just telling you, church, that I have to go to God all the time. and say, God, forgive me for those times I become ho-hum. Because there's nothing ho-hum about the gospel. There's nothing ho-hum about the treasure. That's what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. There's nothing ho-hum about this. What are you willing to do for this treasure? What are you willing to do for the kingdom of God? So question number one, do we understand the value that we have? Question number two. Do we see our Christian life as what we lose or what we gain? It's a matter of perspective, right? Do we see it like, oh man, I gotta go to church? Oh, they said I gotta read my Bible. I don't have time for that. Forget that part. Um, why am I giving up so much for the kingdom? Seems like I've always given up something for the kingdom. Focus 2020. Man, Focus today, I don't got nothing. You know, that kind of stuff. What am I giving up for the kingdom? Do we always look at the kingdom as something that we are losing? Or do we see the kingdom of God, the gospel, as something that we are always gaining? It's a matter of perspective. Which way do we see it? I want you to understand this morning that what Jesus is telling the disciples is, you should be like those people who find a treasure and go back and will do anything. Because guess what? The kingdom of God is that of great gain, not a great loss. The kingdom of God is nothing but gain. Listen, picture with me when we get to heaven, the kingdom of God, we're there, eternity. I'm going to guarantee you, we are not walking around heaven like, this is it. This is all that's here. I sacrificed everything for this. What a dump. We're not saying that. I am guaranteeing you of this. We're going to be in all. And we're going to say, oh, my gosh. If I knew really the value, I would have given up everything. The value of the kingdom is always gained. You know, the title of my message is No Losers Allowed. I don't know if you noticed that. But some of you walked into the auditorium today, and you probably noticed that. And you're like, no losers allowed. And you might have turned to, like, your friend and said, got to go. You know what I mean? Just kidding. You guys wouldn't do that. I would do that. You would not do that. But what I meant by this is no losers allowed me to listen. In the kingdom of God, there are no losers. There's only gainers. If you look at your Christian life as stuff that you have to do, a bunch of don't do's instead of get to's, then I understand that your perspective might be like, oh, man, i got to give up something else. Instead of like, oh, my goodness, man, this treasure It's unbelievable. And I will do anything for this treasure. Remember the story in Mark chapter 10 about the rich young ruler? There's a story. If you don't know it, you're in the right place because I'm going to tell it to you for free right now. (laughs) Mark 10, rich young ruler. That's all his name. We don't even know his name. He's just described as the rich young ruler. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, man, I love you. I dig you, man. Everything you're saying is great. You speak words of wisdom and truth. And, and then I want to follow you. And Jesus said, all right, man. Got it. That's very cool that you want to follow me. But you got to do one thing before you can follow me. He says, what's that, man? Anything. And he goes, I want you to go back home. And I want you to sell everything and, and, and then come follow me. And the guy's like, yeah. Come again. He said, yeah, man. Jesus said, just Just go sell everything, and then come on, let's follow me, man. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 10 that that young man walked away sad because he could not sell everything to follow Jesus. Now what is Jesus telling us? He's not telling us today, sell everything. He might be, if he is, you should, but he's probably not. But what was he doing to that rich young ruler? He understood there was something keeping him. There was something between him and and following Jesus that was in the way. What he was saying was, there is something more valuable, you have a treasure in your heart that is way more valuable than the kingdom of God. And if that's the case, I want you to go get rid of that. If the young man would have said, oh, you got it, man. If the young man would have just understood the treasure and how the kingdom of God is so valuable, And it's the most precious thing in this entire world. The rich young ruler would have, if he would have understood the value of that, the rich young ruler would have went, man, I don't even have to go back. I'm just gonna call ahead and say, man, give everything away. Because it doesn't even matter in comparison to following the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was saying. So the question is, what is that in your life that might be more valuable than the kingdom of God? This is a question Jesus was asking his disciples. And I believe he's still asking us today. Do we see our Christian life as what we lose or what we gain? There was a man named Jim Elliott. He he was in college in the 50s and went to Wheaton College. And he was an incredibly bright man. And while he was in college, he realized there was two things in this world that he loved the most. He loved the Word of God, and he loved the way the Word of God transformed people. And he said, you know what, what else should I do besides give my life to the kingdom? And so he surrendered his life and said, I want to be a missionary. I want to take this treasure, this kingdom, the gospel, to, to anybody who needs to hear it. And so he did. He met his, his wife in college and got married. And then two years later, after getting married, he went onto the mission field. He went down to the jungles of South America, to Ecuador. And he took four other missionaries with him. So there was a group of five people. And what they did was, they went to a tribe in the middle of those jungles in Ecuador who were closed to outside society, who had never heard the word of God before. And they said, that's the people group we're going to reach. And so they spent weeks and weeks in a plane above that tribe, lowering down presents for that tribe, things like food and food. Goods, And they were, they were announcing from a speaker they attached to the, to the plane. They're saying, we come in peace. We come in peace. We're not going to harm you. We're going to come to you. We're going to come in peace. We mean no harm to you. They spent weeks delivering that message until they thought they were ready. And so they landed the plane one day and began to walk in the jungle towards that tribe. Only as they came across that tribe, as they got closer, ten warriors came out to meet them from that tribe. And in that moment, those 10 warriors killed every single one of them, including Jim Elliott, killed just like that. And the news began to spread of Jim Elliot and the missionaries and what happened to him in the jungles. And somebody came across his journal, and they began to read his journal publicly to try to figure out what was happening and why they were murdered by this tribe and, and, and the feeling that these missionaries might have, might have had. And, At the top of one of the pages in his journal, he had written this and highlighted it and underlined it. He said this, he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What Jim Elliot said was this, listen, I have this treasure. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's the most important thing to me in the world. There's nothing more valuable than this treasure. And I would be a fool if I thought I could hold on to other things and forget about the treasure. But I can't. So I'm going to take this treasure and I'm going to take it to as many people as I can because it's so valuable. And it doesn't matter what happens to me because everything else is a loss compared to this treasure. By the way, if you don't know the story of Sam Elliott, you could read his book. You could read the life of, of Sam Elliott. And there's actually a movie out there right now about his life. If you don't know the end of the story, Jim Elliott's son went back to that tribe that killed his father and began to love on those people. And the very tribesmen who killed Jim Elliott took Jim Elliott's son as his own. And we saw a tribe come to know Christ, and life's changed. Jim Elliot said, my life's not worth it. If If I have to ignore the treasure, I'd rather sacrifice that so people can know the treasure. What's more important than the treasure is what Jesus is asking his disciples. And he's asking us the same thing today. Question number three. Where do we look ridiculous? if there is no treasure? Where do we look ridiculous if there is no treasure? This is what I mean by this question. Follow this with me here real quick. So we have the guy, we don't even know their names. He's a farmer and a jeweler. We don't even know their names. But this morning I'm gonna give him a name, I don't know. The, The farmer we'll just call Frank, that's a good name, Frank. Let's say Frank goes into the field. And he finds this treasure, right? That's what the story says. Frank finds the treasure. He buries it. He goes home. Now, Frank has a decision to make. He can't tell anybody about the treasure because if he t- starts telling people about the treasure, what happens to the treasure? It's gone. Somebody else has taken it. So he can't tell anybody. And yet, Frank has to sell everything in order to buy the land so he can get the treasure. He's in a quandary. So, can you imagine Frank going home to his family and friends and saying, guys, we got to sell everything, like immediately. We got to get rid of my golf clubs. We got to get rid of my bowling shoes. We got to get rid of everything because I'm going to buy that piece of land. Can you imagine what his family and friends think? Why are you doing that? Why are you going to buy that piece of land? Um, because, because why? Um, because <laughs> you know what I mean. And his family and friends must think he's absolutely ridiculous. What are you doing? Have you been out in the sun too long? I can picture the intervention they have. Now, Frank, we got a problem. We've gathered you here today to tell you that you are absolutely crazy. I can picture that happening, right? Because it doesn't make sense what he's doing. Same thing with a jeweler. He finds this great pearl and he goes back and tells his family, I'm going to sell my whole business. Why are you going to sell your whole business? It's a good business. Because I found something greater. What did you find? Don't worry about it. I found something greater. I need to sell my business. Have you lost your mind? You are ridiculous. It takes time for them to sell things. And in that period, they must have seemed ridiculous. So my question is, You know, what in our lives, where do we look ridiculous? Because here's the deal. If that treasure really is like our treasure, and there's nothing more valuable than the gospel and our relationship with God, there's nothing more valuable than that, then we're going to look ridiculous to an unbelieving world. It's just going to happen. In fact, if you don't look ridiculous to unbelievers, then I would just ask that maybe sit back and re-examine where you're at and how much you're in love with that treasure. It's just a simple question. See, this is what I mean by that. For example, if me and my wife Elvie were to open up our finances to an to a unbelieving accountant, for example, and he looked through our finances, he might say, well, do you guys understand what you're doing? This is ridiculous. Do you understand, like, you're giving away way more than you should be giving away? This is ridiculous. And if that was the case, I would look at him and say, thank you for coming. You are well worth my time. I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Because the world doesn't understand that when that's your treasure, you just give. I can picture the, the, the accountant going, well, man, aren't you worried about, like, your future? Oh, I'm worried about my future. Well, what about the you know savings plan and the retirement plan and the college fund and all that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like that. that that's like the temporary. But my future, like I'm looking at like ten thousand years down the line. That's my future. You see what I'm saying? We have a different perspective when that's our treasure. And if the if, if the guy's going to tell me I'm ridiculous the way I spend my money because I'm good, then I'm just like, thank you very much. You just made my day. Thank you. We're gonna look ridiculous with decisions we make because the decisions that we make are based on the treasure that we have. Are you following me? That's with every aspect of our life. You know, the world tells us, man, it's okay to sleep with your boyfriend and girlfriend, just do it. That's what everybody else is doing, and you're like, no, I'm not gonna do that. What do you mean you're not gonna do that? How come you're not sleeping with your boyfriend and girlfriend? How come you all haven't moved in together, man? That's the way things go. It's because, man, I have this treasure. And this treasure is the most important thing to me in the world. And I'm not going to compromise my treasure to do what the world wants me to do. And the world's going to think you're ridiculous. They'll say, are you crazy? Come on, go get that. Am I wrong? And we're going to look ridiculous. Man, somebody has hurt you. Somebody has done some awful things to you. And people all around you from the world, are going to say, man, you better go get some revenge. You better take care of that. You better go. And you're going to say, ah, no, I forgive them. What do you mean you forgive them? They haven't even asked for forgiveness yet. I know, I know, but man, I got this treasure. And it's the most important thing to me in my entire life. And in that treasure, my God tells me that I should, I, I should forgive And you're crazy. You're ridiculous. I wouldn't forgive that person. I know you don't because you don't understand the treasure. But if you had that treasure, you would understand that forgiving is the most powerful thing you could do. The world's going to think we're ridiculous. And I'm telling you right now, if the world doesn't think you're ridiculous in some of the things you do, I'm just suggesting that maybe we should re-examine ourselves and see where we're at in our decision making. The world is going to look through different lens. But we're going to look through the lens of our treasure. Because the gospel has changed us. It certainly changed Paul. Look what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12, he says this. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise them. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul's saying, listen, if the treasure is not real, If the gospel is not real, if the gospel hasn't transformed your life, like for real, Christ living in you, then what are we doing here? The world should be pitying us because we're coming here every Sunday and singing and waving our hands, doing a little dance, all in the name of a person who doesn't exist. We should be committed. I mean, not committed to him, committed like a cuckoo way. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then what are we doing? We might as well hang a sign outside that says social club. We could come together and do some really cool stuff for our neighborhood, make us feel good about ourselves. <laughs> but if Christ really did raise from the dead, and this gospel thing is real, then man, that treasure. Is worth so much. I don't even understand if you understand the value of that treasure. It is the most important thing in the world. That pearl, oh, man, forget everything else. That pearl is the most important thing in the world. The world's not going to understand it. But you do. Because you've been transformed by it. Amen. Paul says this in Philippians. By the way, Barbara, I'll pay you later for that. That was awesome, thank you. (laughs) Let's close it up right here. Philippians chapter three, Paul is in prison, he's in chains, and he's writing the book of Philippians. You're like, how does that work? He's in chains and he's writing somebody else's thing, but you got it. Verse seven, chapter three, he says this, but for whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever was important to whatever I thought was important, I consider it all a loss for just knowing Christ. He says this. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of the resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That would be a prayer, wouldn't it? And so somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead, now that I have already obtained all this, Or have already arrived at my goal. Not that I have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Wow. Paul's saying, look, I'm in chains. I used to have all kinds of stuff. I don't have much anymore. But whatever I do have, I consider it all a loss. Because the treasure that I have, the gospel, this life-changing relationship with God is way more. Way worth more than anything you can imagine. And so although I am in chains, I'm going to press forward, to press onward. I'm not there yet. I got stuff I got to deal with. I got things in my life that are still, I still think are more valuable, but I'm telling you, I confess those and get right with those and I press forward to get that prize of the kingdom of God. Because at the end, that's all we're going to have. And we, as believers, and we in this room, have the opportunity to walk with a risen Savior, with a God who created all of this. And we get to have that as our treasure? Are you kidding me? There's nothing more valuable. And this is the story of the parable that he's trying to get across to his disciples. See, when life gets tough, listen, man, life's gonna get tough. Things are gonna come your way. Whether they're possessions or not, whatever it is, things are going to get rough. But I'm telling you, if you just hold on to this thought that I just told you about, that the kingdom of God is the most precious thing, then you will fully understand what the kingdom of God is really like. And when those things come your way, doubt, shame, disease, whatever, you will have a proper perspective of the kingdom. And you will understand that all of that is just temporal. But the kingdom of God is everlasting. Will you pray with me?